Welcome back to an all new episode of Dirtcast. I'm your co-host, Megan Reynolds. And I am your other co-host, Madeline Davies. This week, we are going to be doing a very special Thanksgiving episode in which we talk about things that we are thankful for in the celebrity realm. And we will also be talking about food shows because Thanksgiving is about two things, eating until you want to die and genocide. And I guess feeling thankful. So three. Three Three things. things. Yeah, I I stand corrected almost as always. But before we start that, Maddie, how are you? I am doing fine. I really was just thinking a lot about on (laughs) Sephora.com. I saw... So they're trying to sell My favorite place in the world. a comb made of rose quartz what? for over $300. Is it like solid rose quartz? Yes. Okay. And I was just thinking just now while I was in the toilet. Yeah, as one does. That like that amount of money is like a certain person's stocking stuffer. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. And that's crazy. That's fucked up. Like I'm just like, one, who needs that? No one. Two, who would just like buy it because they wanted it so bad? Someone crazy. And I'm just like, it's something that you would get for someone else. It's like a little thing. Yeah. But it costs so, so, so much, much money. money. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you ruined the surprise. Oh, no. My comb. <laughs> I'll return it. I'm it's just, okay. it's really that I just I'll want s- it so bad. So I have it. to degrade it so that it's like in my mind. So I don't. if I give it to you, you'll, you'll still accept it? Oh, my gosh. I'll comb my hair with it like yes, I'm, I'm a mermaid. <laughs> I'll expect videos of you combing your hair with the $300 comb every day. And, like, imagine, like, you drop it on your bathroom floor and it just breaks. I would be devastated. So for some reason, that was really getting my goat this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get it. That's a lot of money for something that's so fucking stupid. And it is totally something that you would find, like, yeah, a very wealthy person would, like, pull down their stocking and be like, oh, my God. Thanks, Dad. Point being... Too much money. Too much money. I'll use my Conair plastic comb with like three of the... With three teeth missing. Yeah. (laughs) That's all you need. I still have a comb (laughs) from my second grade school picture day. Like one of the ones that they give give you you, to like comb your bangs or whatever? Yeah. It's like thick plastic. Yeah. It's like a blue comb. I still have it. That's amazing. And it's like not missing any of the teeth. That's wonderful. So that was like, what, 10 years ago? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just think, you know, they don't make combs like they used to. <laughs> you know, they really, they really don't, Maddie. They really don't. <laughs> so now that we're done with my whole story, yeah. Megan, how are you doing? Um, I'm good. I have some personal news. Yeah, you have kind of a little bit of a spread in front of you. I do. Sitting in front of me currently is a large black iced tea from Starbucks, which is my usual podcast beverage. Wow, shop local. <laughs> okay, shut up. Um, My phone. And then... My new nemesis, which is the Jewel. Jewel. <sighs> like you're vaping now. I, I uh, okay. So I told myself that I would stop smoking after my birthday, which was in October. I certainly did not do that. I tried to quit. I tried to like slow down, but I, it's it, whatever. But I bought this thing, this USB stick that I'm staring at. I smoke a lot less now. I'm still trying to smoke zero cigarettes. But the problem is, I can still just buy cigarettes. That's yeah. the issue. So, I'm so it's your will is the my, issue. My willpower, which is historically pretty shitty, is the issue at hand. So this is a fun journey. I hope to not smoke cigarettes anymore by like the end of the year, 
feels slightly more realistic. I hope to eventually not have to use the fucking jewel either because I would like to just be addicted to nothing. It does look like you're smoking like a Lego. She just, oh my God, she's just jeweled in the studio. I don't want to kill myself now. Let's, um, so that's. Oh my God. Um, so that's. You're bad. Okay. That's me. And that is quite enough. About you. About me. About, <laughs> like more than enough. I think we should talk about some other people. Yeah. Let's talk about some dirtiest dirt of the week. Some dirtiest dirt of the fucking week. So speaking of big news, yes, we have some Sex in the City scoop, a little scooplet. Mm-hmm. Although really, there's nothing confirming this, so no. it's all just wild rumor. But James Andrew Miller on his podcast Origins went into why Kim Cattrall wasn't interested in doing the Sex in the City movie. Which it's like, why does she need a reason beyond just like we don't need one, right? But kind of the main reason Miller said was that Samantha didn't have enough to do because they point to the fact that it calls for Mr. Big to die of a heart attack (gasps) in the shower relatively early on in the film, making the remainder of the movie about how Carrie recovers from Big's death more than the relationship between the four women. Ugh. Here's the thing. I'm thrilled that there is no Sex and the City 3 movie. I will be thrilled about that to my dying days. However, (laughs) with this news, I certainly would not want to watch two and a half hours of fucking Carrie recovering from Big's death. Yes, same. Like, not in this, like, not at all. Not an ounce of my being has any desire to see that. I was talking to a friend of the show, Matt Harkins, who Ah, uh, tried to fill your place last week on the podcast. (laughs) Sure they succeeded. (laughs) Um, And he was saying how, like, at this point in time, it's really hard to watch a movie about rich white people that isn't a comedy. Yeah, totally. Which is, like, why I think, like, Schitt's Creek is so effective. But that's sort of, like, I don't know if I need to see, like, the sad Sex in the City. No. Also, Sex in the City has already had so many plots that have been— sad in a right. way that I feel like okay with like the whole Miranda and Steve's mom shit was I thought was like heartbreaking the episode where Miranda's mom dies yeah, that I cry so every good. single time I mean perhaps there is emotion felt when Carrie's left at the New York Public Library not on my part but yeah it's some some may I just don't think we need another sex in the city movie which is why we don't have one but we yeah. certainly don't need one of Carrie like you know, going in and out of Barney's, like, leaving with shopping bags while wearing, like, a morning veil. <laughs> like, I don't want to fucking see that. I have no interest in seeing that. I also don't think that's how Big would die. A heart attack in the shower? I think he was going to die in, like, an opium den, <laughs> like, surrounded by, uh, like, <laughs> by sex workers. Sure. It's going to be, like, the Nick where Clive— I love o- the Nick. I do. We talk about the Nick so much. I've never seen it. You know, and it's not even that good. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but like Clive Owen's character is always like going to Chinatown and to like fucking do it opium. And then right. there's just women who for some reason walking around with their robes entirely just their open. Titties out. And their little bushes just mm. hanging. Cool. But that's how I imagine Mr. Big, Big okay. dying. I, and then or like autoerotic asphyxiation <laughs> or something. 
Carrie opens like her walk-in closet and Big is there having choked himself to death with, I don't know, one of her belts. Wow. I love that. I think Big dying in the shower of a heart attack kind of makes sense only because Big's diet, from what I can tell, is comprised primarily of like steak and scotch. Yeah. He hasn't eaten a vegetable in like two decades. And Billy Joel songs. Yeah. That's a new like subsist off of. Steak, scotch, like a really expensive red wine, a cigar, like, and then, so yeah, if he's going to die somehow, it's going to be of like congestive heart failure. Yeah. Like while taking a shower. But it doesn't matter because this never came to be. All we have left is the elaborate fan fiction that Maddie and I have just uh, yeah. laid out. Also, I take back what I said about the Nick. It's pretty good. You love the Nick, <laughs> <laughs> Don't Don't front. There's no need. I like watching Things that, like, make me feel good about living in 2018. Oh, okay, Because cool. so little does. Sure. So it's like watching a show about, like, uh, the advent of surgery. Yeah, yeah. Is, like, satisfying to mm-hmm. me because it's like, haha, look at all the ways you used to be able to die. Right. And now, like, you're fine. And now it's like, no, I just will die in a mass shooting. Yeah. Oh, you know? Okay. Okay. That's how I'm going right. to die. Cool. Um. So that is that. So, you know... <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Turns and roundabouts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's toot on here. Miss Taylor Swift has left her longtime record label, Big Machine Records, for Republic Records slash Universal Music Group. This is big news. Here is what she wrote on her Instagram. As part of my new contract with Universal Music Group, I ask that any sale of their Spotify shares results in a distribution of money to their artists, non-recoupable. They have generously agreed to this at what they believe will be much better terms than paid out previously by other major labels. So this item I like only vaguely understand because I don't know nearly enough about like music contract stuff. It's like a really good thing for It's artists. a good thing for artists. Okay. So Spotify like gave the record labels a certain amount of shares yeah. at a certain point, but like it goes to the record labels. It doesn't go to the to artists and songs now. they're playing. Okay. It's basically like, if the record label sells the shares, they get the money. Mm-hmm. And even like at some places, I think it's like if your like album underperformed, okay, they might like even take oh take money away from you. Yes, is oh, what I. I mean, so like Hazel Sills, our coworker, who's oftentimes joins us here, yes, because she's so much younger and, and so much so smarter. Smart. Yeah, um, <laughs> we love you, Hazel. Uh, she actually wrote about this on she a did. website called Jezebel. She did. It was yesterday, in fact. And she wrote, "So, what does Swift's contract negotiation mean? Basically, Universal has a three point five percent share in Spotify. Swift has requested that when Universal sells those shares, the label should pay the money to artists, even if the artist has unrecouped earnings. In other words, even though the artist owes the label, they would still get the share of money. Aha. It's a move that would echo uh, what Sony just did with its artist when it sold its Spotify shares. Sony handed out $750 million across thousands of artists and songs. Though Swift's post seems to suggest the terms would be even better than what Sony did. I have, you know, she she pulls me back and forth a lot. I do feel complicated. I have complicated feelings, but I do think that this move is a good one. Yeah. And I, like, I respect it. And I no admire one can it. say that she's not, like, a great businesswoman. If she is anything, she's an excellent businesswoman. She's um, very savvy. So thank you, Taylor. Thanks, Taylor. From, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a band that didn't recoup their I, I mean, there's so many. But thank you, Taylor, from, like, I guess everyone else. This next item I enjoy personally. So Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas are still getting married. 
apparently. Yes, it's, it's it, happening. It's, it's happening. Um, Chugging forward. <laughs> they have made their wedding registry public. It is what I think light Amazon spawn. Oh, smart. They have like her, their own like branded um, page on Amazon that has all the stuff that they are registered for. But God bless them for doing this so that we can all see what they have because what is the, fu- the funnest part, one of the many fun parts of being invited to a wedding is looking at their registry selecting something to purchase, but then also making small to medium judgments based on what the couple in question has registered for. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but it's one of my favorite activities. I'm scrolling through this list. There's a lot on it. There's a pair of rollerblades. (laughs) Yeah. There's a pair of rollerblades, but there's also... Just just a pair of women. So Priyanka will be skating along alone. Yeah. Priyanka is going to be skating and Jonas is going to be doing I don't know what... But this is my favorite item because the quote attached to it is so spectacular to me. She requested, or they, one assumes, requested a record player. This is what Priyanka Chopra has to say about a record player. It apparently adds, quote, character um, to, I guess, a well-staged room. But she also said, I've always loved a record player. I just love the sound. I play everything from Ariana Grande to the Chainsmokers on my record player. It looks so cool. And every party with me ends up in a dance party. It just has to happen. Sounds fun. Ma'am, you're playing Imagine if I get Chainsmokers chain smoker. on, like, <laughs> on I, vinyl. I got the super exclusive <laughs> pressing of the Chainsmokers. It's um, yeah. It, that's amazing. Um, you raised a valid question, and it is, why do rich people have registries? Yeah, I think it's so fucked up. One, I think it's kind of fucked up for, like, anybody to have registries just because going to weddings is so expensive. I think just, like, give the couple money. I guess I just feel like the original point of registries, right, is, like, because it was the first time a couple would be living together. Yeah. And, and they, so they needed a lot of household items. They need, like, all of the things. And so now it's just, like, all of my friends who get married already live together. Yeah. And they— kind of have things. Yeah. I think most people who we know or like their registries are like, here's a bunch of like $10 things because right. they're not trying to like make their friends buy them like a Dyson. I mean, yeah. I've spoken to many, many of my married friends, which is seems like almost all of them. They were like, look, we put like this on the registry because I mean, yeah, we like want it, but it's so like the older people who are invited to weddings who feel compelled to purchase something will just do it. And you guys don't have to do yeah, anything. It's like a generational thing. Yeah. So like you do this for like your parents' friends who are like, I gotta buy like blah blah blah, like a steak knife or whatever. Right. And then you're like, okay, I have these fucking steak knives now. Yeah. Thank you. And Uncle Robert. If I have to like spend five hundred dollars on a plane ticket to get to your wedding, Guess that's what? your wedding. Guess <laughs> what? I showed up and I And they're just like, Oh, we'd rather you didn't come. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I take that five hundred dollars immediately. <laughs> Um, when are they getting married again? It can't come soon enough, honestly. I'm, I'm very sure, excited. Yeah. I think it's imminent. But yeah, I also feel like Priyanka and Nick don't need a registry. They don't need a registry. They have money. They could like open their eyes and be like, I want a like blah, and then they'll just buy it. And that like young boy king has mm-hmm. had money since Mr. Was, Jonas. Yeah. Young I mean, Jonas. I don't know. I don't know how his family invested it or whatever, but like. But- It's around. Yeah, I'm not worried. Cool for them. Here's a celebrity couple. Haley Baldwin, wife of Justin Bieber, is now Haley Bieber. Yeah, on Instagram, she's Haley Road Bieber. That's right. I imagine that that's her middle middle name? name? Sure. I get like wanting to throw that in to be like, I'm not just a wife. (laughs) 
She changed her name on Instagram to Haley Road Bieber. Additionally, her husband, Justin, is leaving a lot of horny comments under her Instagram in a way that I feel is best reserved for private eyes only. <laughs> they're not even like that horny, but they're just like, don't just, I don't keep it away. Like, what is he saying? You're just too much. Holy crap. This is hot. And then another one that's good is you turn me on with the letter U. I think what's funny <laughs> about that is how not suggest like how boring it is. I mean, but just why bother? Just say it in private. Because they're celebrities and I know, if I things know. happen in private, they don't happen. Oh, you're right. Also, I just think like, again, those are like such. They're like casually. It's like they're almost cute how like unhorny. Mundane those right. statements are. I don't know. I think he's like a dummy and I think yeah. she's a dummy and they're just not being dummies together. They're married dummies without a freaking prenup. As I say, I think every time we talk about him, just wait to get pregnant. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> I like the idea of us just like handing, like mailing postcards to celebrities, like just with like enjoy the, yourself, yeah. have fun. Like you're doing great. Like just wait to get pregnant. Yeah. Wait just to, like, don't just give it a minute. You guys have time. You have so much time. Other than that, I wish him the best. Me too. I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of like what would shock me. What is would if be, he like, be like, oh, my dick is rock hard. Yeah, that would suck. Um, You've all seen pictures of my dick. Now it's hard. Oh, my God. I forgot. I actually, I, again, have not forgot. I briefly forgot about it, but I will never forget those paparazzi photos of Justin Bieber standing al fresco. Yeah. Like, yes. fucking half erect. Half a a chub, if you will. (laughs) The dong just up and out, man. Yikes. Ah, okay. Let's, um, you know what, Maddie? Since we are, we're not spending Thanksgiving together. No. But I thought it would be fun if we shared some celebrities and celebrity stories that we are thankful for this this holiday season. Yes, I would like that. I think there's one really obvious one that we're both in agreement on. Pete and Ariana's torrid affair. See, for me, it's less Pete and Ariana and more just like Ariana Grande's emergence yeah. as like my tiny queen. Thank you, Next. I still listen to it like once every yeah, couple of so days. so good. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so happy that Ariana Grande is now, yeah, she's she's doing great. And I am loving every moment of it. Again, her Twitter presence is so good right now. Very pure in a um, way that I like. It's nice. Even in retrospect, the things that I used to kind of roll my eyes about with her, uh-huh. I am now like, actually, that's cool. Like, I love that. Like, like I'm what? really glad you licked that donut. Oh, my God. Totally. Lick the donut, babe. Um, Do it. Love I'm it. I'm really glad that like my, again, this was like, the tabloid story that maybe made my career as a writer. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm glad that she got carried around everywhere. I'm thrilled that she got carried around everywhere. And I want her to continue. Yeah. If she if she's tired, someone should carry her. Yeah. I'm just really grateful to have come to a better place of understanding. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that I'm sorry I didn't come to that realization sooner. I'm thankful for their relationship because of the reasons that Maddie outlined. I'm also thankful because for a brief moment, Pete Davidson, to some people, was seen as an attract. I mean, again, Pete Davidson is a very specific type, happens to be one of mine. I don't feel great about it, but such is life. The body wants what it wants. Yeah. You can't um, always, you can't help it. You cannot help it. But I've loved the sort of public displays of messiness 
that have come along with this relationship, mm-hmm. like in their breakup. It's just been very fun in a year. I mean, it sucks to be like, yeah, it's really fun, even though it's at the expense of people with like actual emotions. I get it. Um, but I still fucking love it. It's been really nice to see because every th- oh, so many things in 2018 have been, uh, how to say, poo-poo. Yeah, when I was thinking about this mm-hmm. thing about like who we're grateful for, yeah. the stories we're grateful for, this is the only thing I could think of. I, and not too. even of just like what's great, what I'm, I just mean like period. Yeah, I was like, like my brain is so fried from this year. Same. That I was just like, what else happened? Me too. Again, everything else has been such trash. Okay, I have one other thing that just came to top of mind. And I don't know if I'm grateful for it, but it's just something, it's like something else that happened in 2018 that I remember is that after Ben Affleck got out of rehab, he, those paparazzi photos of him looking so buff emerged. And I really enjoyed those for like a day. Yeah. He was very swole. I also just uh, realized a star is born. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Um, I'm grateful for that. Me too. I'm grateful for every a star is born meme that I see. I'm extremely grateful for anything asking to take another look. Memes in general, man. I'm grateful for memes. I Every night I just look at them and laugh and laugh. That's nice. Sometimes I don't get them because I'm too old. Yeah, that's fun too. I'm just like, that one's not funny. Yeah, I don't get this one. You move on. Um, Um, Yeah, so I was like, oh, A Star is Born. So, okay, so we are grateful for A Star is Born. I'm grateful for Ben Affleck being buff as if he were like inflated with a bicycle pump. And Pete and Ariana. Yeah. That's it, man. The turkey's in the oven. Okay. The potatoes, both sweet and normy, are mashed. Okay, okay. There's a green bean casserole mm-hmm. and whatever other regional Thanksgiving favorite Thank you. Very good. <laughs> uh, you look forward to every year. Mm-hmm. It is Thanksgiving time. Gobble, 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 gobble. That's the song that we wrote before uh, we came on. Uh, and to <laughs> to celebrate, we are going to be talking about uh, our favorite food shows mm. uh, and like food, you know. Like food, food TV. Yeah, food reality. This is one of my favorite genres of television. When we were talking about this, the ones that I named first that I liked are ones that are like more practical. Like, and like personality based. Yeah, like Barefoot Contessa, Ina Garten, I love. I think that the Pioneer Woman is a demon, but watching her is strangely soothing. Uh, I've made fun of Giada De Laurentiis for what feels like most of my life. She's very large teeth. She does. And she loves to overpronounce an Italian word. Which is Giada. Giada. <laughs> um, but the shows that you selected are the ones that I like really love. I immediately went towards competition reality. Which are uh, like cooking shows. My favorite kind. I mean, I could talk for hours about the Great British Bake Off. So I have been in a real Great British Bake Off hole. Like, Mm -hmm. I'd call it a hole. I would call it more of like a cozy cave. It's like a nice little like a snug. Yeah, because like the weather's getting colder. Mm -hmm. It's just like very nice to sit under a blanket Ugh, and watch truly hours of that show. Heaven. 
one thing I like about it is I feel like compared to like American reality TV, it's so civilized. Where so nice. Like the biggest drama ever was the baked Alaska <gasps> that like someone may or may not have like taken out of a freezer. I still I I yeah. That was, that was traumatic for me. And it ended with both people being like, it's my fault. No, it's my fault. Anyway, I deserve to go home. <laughs> like, that was it. Yeah. It's so good. The premise is it's a bunch of, like, British home bakers, the best from around the UK, gathered in a tent that is located on, like, the grounds of some really beautiful, like, manor, like, country manor in England. An estate. An estate, if you will. There are three challenges. The signature the technical and the showstopper, right? Yeah. What I think is really nice about it is that they're only there for like the weekend. Yeah, it's like they come back every week and it's two days. Yeah, so they like get to go home and like prep for like the next week and like- Sleep. Sleep maybe. <laughs> like it seems like the way that the production is done is absolutely nothing like an American reality show where you are like operating on like two hours of sleep and like a shitload of Red Bull. I think one thing that these shows do to people, which is probably so annoying to bakers, yeah. is that it makes, like, everybody an expert. Oh, yeah. So, like, when I'm watching it, I'm where more just like, oh, this muffin is just, like, you did not prove it long enough. Right. I don't know what proving is. You put it in the drawer, and it has to rise. It's proving just letting the dough rise? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I do know what it is. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that's not an even bake, and, like, the person at the coffee shop is like, do you want the muffin or not? But it's just, it's one of those things where it like makes everybody an expert. The hosts on the original version, the original So the hosts, first few seasons. Feature Paul Hollywood. Breadman. Breadman, Paul Hollywood. With the eyes of a Siberian husky yeah. and the, the, the silver hair of a silverback gorilla. I mean, the affect of a Siberian husky also, some might yeah. say. Paul Hollywood, who is like mean daddy. Yeah, he he's he, he like plays it. Glowers at you. Tough. Yeah. Mary Berry, who is just like such a calming love her. Wonderful woman. She's a respected cook cookery author. She doesn't open her mouth very wide to eat anything. She certainly doesn't. She's a Yep. Nope, she does not. Um Mel and Sue who are delightful. Who are wonderful. They're like the host hosts. Um yeah. Paul and Mary are the judges. They are fantastic. Their chemistry is really fun. Paul traffics in a tough love that I, that really resonates with me personally. Sure. <laughs> there is nothing more fun to me than like getting like, I don't know, like a piece of cake or like a pie and then forking it like Paul does when he's trying to like, like picking it up and you can just smack the bottom yeah. to see if there is indeed a soggy bottom on Mary the crust. Mary hates a soggy bottom. What's not to like, what, who likes a soggy bottom in a pie? Not I. I probably like kind of a raw dough. I don't mind things when they're like slightly undercooked. No, that's why I don't really like pie actually, because I feel like my experience with pie is, I mean, if I make a pie, that's going to have a fucking soggy bottom because I'm a shitty baker. Yeah. I'm, baking is too precise for me. But it's just everything about the show is like is so calming. It's so wonderful. Yeah, just like you don't really know the calming effect of watching like an elderly woman's hands oh like I slowly know. count slivered almonds. I know. Uh, until you watch it. <laughs> and then you're just like, <sighs> it's just like it's nice because everyone is nice to each other. They're all genuinely sad to see people leave. Like the last episode of the series is always wonderful because it's the finals, but then everybody else comes back and they're like all saying hi to each other. They have a big picnic. So I just finished what? season four, which is when Candace won. Mary and Paul have decided after a lot of deliberation that the winner 
of the Great British Bake Off 2016 is... Candice! Okay, okay, um, yes. Candice is a, a very beautiful PE teacher who always, like, wore a bold lip. Yes, Candace. Right. Um, yep. And then I was reading about her, and, like, everything I saw was, like, one of the more controversial wins. Really? Which I was like, that doesn't make any sense because she killed it from the beginning. Right. But here's something I want to put out there. Okay. Did Paul Hollywood try to fuck her? <laughs> I don't know, Maddie. Did I am just going to put it out it? there. I think so. Aye, aye, aye. Hot um, off the presses. I don't know. Jeez. I feel like every time he complimented her or like gave her a hug, it was, he was trying to like lingering. get in there. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. 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 I've <clears> now <throat> started the fifth season, which is when the new judges. Oh, I haven't. When I haven't watched that one yet. I don't uh, know if I can. I feel sad about it. Paul Hollywood is the only one who stayed. That's right. And that was because of some uh, contract drama. People were really upset about Sue and Mel leaving. Yeah, because they're People so, were really like, upset about, yeah, they're wonderful. so nice and just like. And they have a really good chemistry and it's just like. Very it's a, silly. It's a good, sh- it's good shit, man. Who they brought in instead was, uh, as a judge, Prue Leith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as host, they have Noel Fielding from The Mighty Boosh mm-hmm. and Sandy Toxvig, who is. Uh, she's good. She's a Dutch Comedian and intellectual, kind of. She was on Jesse Ware's cooking podcast, um, Table Manners, which is one of my favorites. She seems really fun. Yeah, so I have like a kind of controversial opinion in that I don't mind the new. I don't mind the new cast. Really, I miss. I miss my old people. Right, but it's like I love Noel Fielding. Yeah, and he's so sweet and weird. Yeah, he's the dude with the long hair, right? With the black hair, shaggy black hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. who dresses like crazy. Yeah. But he's, like, just, like, really funny with all the bakers and, like, yeah. really not. Like, again, he's just, like, a sweetheart. And I think that, oh, this is what it kills me to say. Paul and Prue have way better chemistry. Than Paul and Mary? Yeah. Good. That's, I believe that. Like, they, like, joke off of each other a lot. Yeah. And Prue, like, is a little bit more of, like, an out there right. person. I mean, Mary is, like, very buttoned up. She tuts a lot, I feel. You know, she's, like, she's just sort of, I can see that. Yes. I'll try it, you know? I'll try it. It's on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. I'll try it. But yeah, I mean, it takes some getting used to, but I was like, I don't hate this. Huh. I mean, I think one thing that's, like, <laughs> amazing about Great British Bake Off is that every season is the same structure, and every episode has, yes. like, similar themes where it's, like, bread week, cake yep. week, Desserts. pudding week, yep. uh, you know, that type of thing. And then, as you said before, it's, like, there's the signature challenge, which is where they have to, like, come with their own recipe. Yeah, where they, like, flex a little. Um, and then the technical, which is a surprise the tec- challenge. The technical challenge is incredible. Um, and it's... They always fail for the most part. Yeah. And then the showstopper, which is where they just have to bring out all the stops. Right. You'd think like, oh, it's going to be the same. How many times can I watch just like pasty British people try to like— They make bread or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, try to make a gluten-free bread or yep, whatever or the like make a, challenge is. A passable Victoria sponge with like two, with like maybe like two lines. Because the thing about the technical challenge that I really like is it'll be like, at least in the, epi- the show, the episodes that I've watched, it's like either like a Paul recipe or a Mary recipe. So yeah. it'll be like a really complicated, like you like you'll they'll have to make like a sh- 12 Yorkshire puddings and all of those will have to be like completely uniform and blah, blah, blah. So you have the ingredients but half of the directions are yeah, missing. Yeah, the directions are like, make the blank. Like, do this. And everyone's like, oh, my. It's like a procedural because it's the same fucking shit every time, absent the stress. Yeah, it makes me really want tea cake. 
Mm, I mean, I have definitely Googled a lot of the recipes afterwards and been like, maybe I can make this. And then I'll look and I'll be like, it needs a what? No, mm, yeah. I got to go. Can't do it. Also controversial. Okay. Hold it on. I think the one problem I have is that I think American desserts are so much better for the most part. Oh, I think I disagree. I don't know. I don't like a whipped icing. I'm not a huge fan of meringue. Ah, that, uh, and that I feel would like do it, yeah. The, when they like have to do like pipe florets, I'm like, that is just too much. I don't want that. Okay. Give me like a fucking bomb-ass brownie instead. Oh, interesting. I like a sort of fussy dessert. Like I love like an opera cake. I love to look at them. I also like think, you know how like when they put like gelatin on top of tarts to like keep their like to beautiful keep it shiny? fruit yeah. preserve? Yeah. I think that's disgusting. Oh. I'm just like, just give me fresh raspberries on top of a tart. That's a good take. That's a, It's a controversial, but... I think it's fair. The breads always look great to me. Yeah. The cake always, like, the sponge always looks so Right. Good. It's just like the accoutrement that come with it's it. like, I don't want all that shit. Oh, also, <laughs> the word cookie is so much better than the, than biscuit when it comes to cookies. That's my only other. <laughs> I don't know if I agree. This show that is next that I would like to talk about at length is Nailed It. Yeah, nailed it. This show is fucking awesome. So good. I it's love a Netflix that show. show that you should always watch while very, very stoned. Yep. Um, where it's kind of like a play on amateur baking competition. So good. Except for it's people who are not good at it. It's amazing. And so they have them replicate a master baker's right. work. Let's see what you did, Tony. Don't mean to laugh, but your princess is terrifying. She is so scary looking, and I don't think anybody's coming to rescue her. Oh no, and then your dragon got decapitated. Yes. But I love this cake so much. The princess is a little bit scary. The host is a comedian named Nicole Byer, who is incredible. I love her. And then Jacques Torre is like the expert. Chocolate um, man. Chocolate Jacques, man. Jacques Torre. Yeah, Monsieur Chocolate. Jacques, Jacques Torre and him and Nicole have a very incredible relationship. It's so cute. Yeah. I feel like you like watch them sort of like platonically fall in love yes, with each other. Yes, that's what it is. And it's so beautiful. So yeah, they'll be like, Jacques Torre will, ma- will present like, I don't know, like a spaceship made out of fucking fondant with like cake on the inside and all this other things. And like the details are really well done. And then the bakers have to like look at that and then like do it. That's it. There is an episode of Nailed It where they have to make a cake that is Donald Trump's bust. And <laughs> the what I gets produced so is one of the scariest <laughs> fucking things I have ever seen. Like this woman made one that looks like if Baron was like a Dickensian orphan with like chronic <laughs> wasting disease. Like he is just, like it's just like this like sallow blonde. Oh my god. That's amazing. But it's just like that one in particular just actually made me like cry laugh. That's incredible. You wouldn't think there'd be so much delight in watching like people like do really badly or just like seeing knockoffs of like a better thing just is like one of life's purest pleasures. It's I think. so funny. Like, And there's also like there are fun like things that you can do to like fuck with your contestants. Like there's like the annoy, but the button or whatever you hit the button and Nicole will come and like bother, bother your competition. Right. It is best enjoyed, like really stoned. That's how I discovered it yeah. and was like, what am I watching? I don't think I've ever watched it. Well, not high. I've tried and it's just not as good. So we thank it for that. We do. 
kind of like working our way backwards meal-wise because we've started with desserts. We did. And now I want to talk about Top Chef. The thing with like Top Chef is that it was culturally groundbreaking, right? Like people fucking love Top Chef. They do. So it's hosted by... Padma Lakshmi, mm. who's lovely. She is. Although originally was the first season was hosted by Katie Joel. <laughs> uh, her last name isn't Joel anymore. It's Billy Joel's ex-wife, who is much younger than Billy Joel. Correct. Um, right. And then <laughs> Tom Colicchio, mm. who is a... Mean daddy. Yeah, who's kind of mean, another mean daddy. I guess, like, there has to be a mean daddy. Yeah, and then Gail Simmons, who uh, is, I love her. Me too. She's also kind of, she's a straight talker. She, I love Gail. I think she's fabulous. Yeah, and they you usually guys. will have like a special guest where it's like a noted chef. Right. I think because it's on Bravo, it's like so good. And also does not have the kindness that Great British Bake Off does, where it's mm-hmm. like they all have to live together. Not, yeah. They also like, it'll be, like, be woken up in the middle of the night just to like... <laughs> fuck with them. Yeah, make some amuse-bouche or yeah, something. Yeah, like you have to go, yeah, exactly. You have to go make like 25, like, I don't know, like sashimi bites on this tiny, those dumb appetizer spoons that I think are stupid. I think for me, the standout memory of it is not a food memory. Okay. It's when the one contestant attacked that one little bratty contestant, Marcel, and oh. shaved a patch into his hair. Oh, yes. And then I, I think he things. got, the other guy got kicked off. But it was like, <laughs> I don't know. Marcel was like this little brat. Who, he sucked. Uh, he fucking sucked. Who I was really into that like season. molecular gastronomy. But so he didn't deserve to get no, fucking of course not. But tackled I, and have his head shaved. No one deserves that. But I think molecular gastronomy is stupid. I don't know. If it tastes good, I'll eat it. Okay, fair. I just thing. don't like my food to be too fussy. Um, yeah. I mean, I get that. Okay. I understand. You know. Um, a, but that is like my standout memory of that. That's show. a good one. When I think about Top Chef, I think about Padma looking very pretty. And then I think about, yeah, like Mean Daddy Tom being like very mean. My friend and I have talked about how Tom Colicchio is like strangely attractive for like oh, yeah. years um, since Top Chef has Because been he's on. like mean because he cares. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, but <laughs> also true. I think he is really tiny. Tom like when Col- he stands next to Padma, she towers. Tom Colicchio, my guess is it clocks in at a cute like 5'5". Five, five. There's been so many good chefs on that show who've come on, both as contestants and mm-hmm. as, like, Eric Repair has been a judge. Anthony Bourdain was a judge. Hugh Atchison. Uh, Emeril Lagasse. Oh, my God. Uh, Richard Blaze, who is actually, like, on the show. Um, Wolfgang Puck. Uh, Ted Allen. J'adore. Marcus Samuelson. Mm, oh, yeah. Shows up a lot. And then, I don't know, Rick Bayless, who... <laughs> what? <laughs> so I have this weird thing where I... Love the Chicago O'Hare restaurant Frontera. I did not know that. And it's only because I love hate Frontera. Chicago O'Hare so much that I like need a thing to look oh, forward to. Oh, the Frontera at the airport. Yeah. Okay, great. Gotcha. So I On board. will I no go so far out of my way at O'Hare to like have a torta at Rick <laughs> Bayless's Frontera. <laughs> And maybe a margarita, which they'll put in a to-go cup for you. That's and you can nice. Bring it on the plane. Wait, what? But one time I was there the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. Flying home. Yeah. 
and who walked in for a quality check but Rick Bayless. Oh, my God. Maddie, that's amazing. What a beautiful celebrity and encounter. And he, like, knew all of the line cooks. Oh, like, nice. I was like, oh, my God, Rick, you are so high I love quality. you, Rick. Like, you care so much about how this Rick Bayless, from what I understand, he makes good food. I just, this is for perhaps another podcast, white people making non-white people food and then succeeding off of that. It's fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll shelve that. I'm so it sorry. A lot. No, it I does. Know. I, I don't disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, I will. I will shelve that for my term paper. We're talking a lot about like TV shows. We're talking a lot about like yeah, reality competitions and TV shows. But like, there's also celebrity chefs. You know, people who are so famous and all mostly have their own shows. This is a good question that our producer posed, which yes. is what makes a good food personality. All right. I think a good food personality, you have to be like 25% kind of irritating because that makes you sticky with the viewer. Do you know what I mean? Sure. When I think of like Guy Fieri, who I love diners, drive-ins, and dives. I think that show is amazing. Um, Guy Fieri is like disgusting. He wears sunglasses backwards on his head and his hair everything stresses I've heard me out. is that he's like so nice. I'm sure he's <laughs> the night. He seems like a really nice guy, but he is sticky in the way that like that aspect of his personality makes him memorable. He seems to have a real enjoyment for the food and a real enjoyment for the people that he's talking to. He's not too detached. He's completely willing to like get in there and mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like mix a fucking spice rub for a thingy in the wherever he is. I think those make a good food personality for me. Like, I mean, all of these same principles could be applied to like any of the ones. Like, you kind of have to have a shtick in order to be. Oh, yeah. Which is why I think shtick. like Bobby Flay sucks because Bobby Flay seems like a fucking dong, and I don't think he's a good guy. I really don't like Bobby Flay. Yeah, but remember when he went on Iron Chef, like, so long ago, like, probably 15 years ago, and was, like, sabotaged, and he was like, I got sabotaged. You guys have to let me back on Iron Chef, because, like, something didn't work, or he, like, got, like, electrocuted or something. Um, And then... (laughs) I I do, actually. And then they're like, fine, you can come back on. And then he fucking won. Yeah. And it was just like, God damn it, Bobby Flay. Maybe one of the reasons I don't like Bobby Flay, I don't think he— Oh, I mean, none of us like Bobby Flay. No, that's true. Well, I mean, do you um, remember—well, he has that show. What's it called? Beat Bobby Flay. Yeah. Fucking hate that show. Shut up. Just, like, stop. (laughs) Okay, yeah, stop making money. (laughs) In any case, that's what I think makes a compelling celebrity chef or, like, a food personality. But I do think you need to have an element of, like— you need to have an element of like relatability. I think that's I think that's either like the key. you have to have that, mm-hmm. you have to have an accessibility, or you have to have something aspirational. Where you think about someone like Martha Stewart. Yep. Or like, like Ina. I do not relate to a single thing in Martha Stewart's life. Same. But like you look at her and you're like, oh, but like her sheets look so perfectly folded. And yeah. like, oh my God, what a beautiful Thanksgiving spread. Yeah. And so it's like she provides that. That's how I feel about Ina Garten, whose life in East Hampton seems wonderful. Yeah. And then you, like, on the opposite end have someone like Paula Dean, who's just like, oh, you're like racist grandma. Yeah. And you use too much butter and your eye makeup frightens me a little. Um, Yeah. And you have, like, weird sons. Oh, yeah. Weird grown adult sons. Big sons. Your big sons are strange. Um, But, yeah, so, like, you have someone like her who I think a lot of people are like, oh, she reminds me of, like, my Mima or whatever. But I feel like then you have someone who totally breaks the mold, which is what Anthony Bourdain did, right, Mm -hmm. where he is kind of neither of those things. He's not really affable, but he is really empathetic. Yeah. He 
also like connected food and culture and people in a way that no one really does. Has managed to do. Yeah. So like you have him who's sort of like, I know I wouldn't find him accessible or aspirational. I mean, aspirational in the way of like, yeah, I want to travel the world. Yeah, I want to do like, yeah, I want to go like do the eating. But he just he was someone who just like brought something. I don't know if it was entirely new because right. food writers have been traveling forever. True. But I don't know. He like had like a punk rock personality. Yeah. Was, I don't know. What I think is really nice now though is Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat on Netflix. Oh, we didn't even, Salmon, yes. Salmon Noserot. She's filling in the spots that like Bourdain's coverage sort of left for me at least. Like the show Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. It's a four-part series on Netflix. So beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's a beautiful show. She's like the whole package, I think. Yeah, she's really lovely. She's like great with the people. She doesn't sort of have... There There can be to like a lot of these food shows where a usually white host like drops into like Vietnam and like eats pho and like, you know, rides on a scooter and sits on those little stools. Like there can be sort of a colonizer aspect to it that is yeah. always really that I Yeah, never, cultural tourism in right. a way that's kind of opportunistic. Yes. But she doesn't do that. Yeah. And I don't think Bourdain did that either. Yeah, they had like a real respect There's for like where a they rapport, were. exactly. And that if you're gonna do like the sort of parachute in let me eat something that is like weird to an American audience, but normal to like everybody else in the country that they're in. Removing the opportunism, that sort of that gross tinge from it is uh, is is rare, I think. Yeah. So I'm thinking of like Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern. Um, I'm thinking, or Zimmerman, I'm thinking of, um, maybe I'm not thinking, I'm maybe Ugly Delicious, which is with David Chang, but David Chang... I think it's just an asshole anyway. And I think Mama Fuku's overrated. And I will say that until I die. I have so many opinions about this. I mean, food is like probably the most easy thing to talk about because pretty much everybody except for Anderson Cooper who doesn't have a sense of taste. What? Anderson Cooper doesn't taste food. Really? Yeah. What? So like everybody but him sure. has opinions and feelings about it. And it's so right. related to memory and it's right. so related to like how we grew up and that mm-hmm. type of thing. And of course, it, like, brings out people's, like, passionate sides. That's I do want to say one recommendation. If you like seeing famous chefs in sort of uncomfortable positions. I do. You should watch the HBO show Treme, which is not on anymore. Oh, my God. Yes. The show itself uh, is not fantastic. It's not great. Dutch Bay, Mikael Huisman is in it. Huisman, yes. But a lot of chefs have cameos on the That's show. That's true. I fucking and forgot about that. So it's amazing. funny to watch, like, Eric Repair be like, we oui. Yeah, be like, hello, Sandra. Oh, yes, I love being in this restaurant again. If you ever want a job in New York, yeah. you can come for the job in New York. And so... I forgot. You can, like, if you want, fast forward through the other stuff. Totally. Although it has its you, moments. It does. I watched the whole show. But yeah, just a good thing to visit if that's something that you're into. Um, I have a final question for you. Oh, my God. It's a two-parter. What is your favorite thing to eat at Thanksgiving? Stuffing, and I also love, like, a sweet potato casserole. Mine is mashed potatoes, and my sister makes really good Brussels sprouts. Ooh, nice. And I'm very excited to eat both of those things uh, on Thursday, on Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for this year? Um, <laughs> oh, man. Because I'm just going to be, like, sincere. You can if you want to. No one likes to hear about your okay. happiness. Do you have something you're thankful for? Uh, I'm thinking. Uh, the answer is <laughs> no. I am thankful for our producer, Rachel Withers. I am thankful for and Rachel Withers. our loyal audience and nothing else. I'm thankful for you. Oh, thank you, Megan. I'm yeah. thankful for you, too. That's nice. 
Thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast. This episode was produced by Rachel Withers and was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. Majin Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. If you want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think, hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com. You can find us on Spotify, NPR One, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.